Welcome to the Mom Worthy Podcast. This is Brittany. This is Sam. Grab your coffee or your wine and come hang out with us. Happy Monday, mamas. We are super excited about today's episode where we talk all about the Enneagram. The Enneagram describes nine personality types and maps out each of them in a nine-pointed diagram. And Beth from your Enneagram coach joins us and really describes how the Enneagram works, where it came from, how to utilize it. She uses so many great metaphors and ways to describe it that helps you better understand it and lets you know how to utilize it in your life and in your relationships. I always talk about the Enneagram. If you've been listening for a while, I always bring it up in different podcast episodes. And Sam never really knew her number up until right before we had this conversation with Beth. And Sam actually got really emotional during this episode because it brought so much clarity. So whether you know about the Enneagram or have never heard about it before, this is still a great episode for you because you're going to learn all about it. There's so many great tools and resources that are shared. We really enjoyed it. So we hope that you do too. Here's our conversation with Beth from yourenneagramcoach.com. We're excited to talk to you today. I am very excited. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Great. Uh, what types are you, or do you know much about it? Or so. Okay. So you go I, first. I am. Um, I've been into it, you know, for like uh-huh. a couple years now. I think. Oh, you know, great. I've yeah. Accounts. Um, and I always bring it up in podcast episodes. I always talk about enneagram mm-hmm. types. Sam has never really known what hers was. She's taken the test. Sure. And, you know, always got different answers. I'm, every time, it is like all of them are highlighted one's just a little bit more than the other it's always different which one it is but we yes. we've narrowed it down to a nine we think she hey. did, I've done some research because I read through all of the descriptions in detail and when I like I was like okay okay these kind of relate I got to five five kind of relates to me too so I was thinking five uh-huh. and I worked through and I got to nine I was like oh oh hands down I'm a nine right yes and then you're a six, six. I am a hundred percent a type six. Uh-huh. And so then yeah. I read nines and sixes in a relationship and it confirmed that I'm a nine because it was like spot on <laughs> to us. Right. Apparently we're fated to be together. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's great. Well, I'm a nine and my husband's a six. So <clears throat> totally get it. Wow. Totally wow. get it. Cool. Yeah. Can you start yeah, off that's though? Awesome. Can you tell everybody exactly what the Enneagram is? Because a lot of people don't know. Yeah. So the Enneagram is basically a way of understanding your thoughts, feelings, and motives. So we're really wanting to look at the why you do what you do. There's a lot of um, personality tools out there that are really just showing you what you do. Um, But this personality gets to the core of why you do what you do. And that's the biggest thing. So think of the Enneagram like an internal GPS. So as we hop in our car, your GPS knows your current location. Well, we have to find our current location first, which is your main Enneagram type. And once you find that current main location, then it will also show you what your healthiest destination nation is, which is, you know, like if you're trying to get to Trader Joe's, you know, you want it to tell you exactly how to get to Trader Joe's, not some other city that you weren't planning on going. And so we want uh, people to understand how their interior world works, because if we don't understand what's going on, we can veer off course and fall into common pitfalls that we find ourselves all the time. And we get totally irritated and frustrated with, and we actually shame ourselves or condemn ourselves 
ourselves. Like, why didn't I know? Like, why couldn't I have prevented this from happening again? Um, and so what I try to tell people is think about the Enneagram also like the rumble strip on the highway, you know, where you're driving down the road. And if you start falling asleep or you're hopefully not texting on the road, or you get distracted somehow, that rumble strip is there to alert you, to wake you up because you're veering off course and you're going to crash. Um, and so if we use it as that kind of a tool, like, Hey, wake up, get back on the right path. And then it will take you on the trajectory that is most beneficial for you and your relationships, your work environment, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that in a nutshell kind of shows you, oh, I've got this internal GPS. It helps me to navigate my internal world in the best direction for it versus veering off course time and time again. Now, of course, we still veer off and we're unaware. We don't want to pay attention. You know, there's those moments. But as a whole, once you keep utilizing it in the correct way, then you're going to naturally become more aware and awaken to what's going on and just utilizing it correctly. It's just like, you know, if I were to teach my mom how to use a GPS and she's almost 80, it's going to take her a long time to get really familiar and used to it. Where someone at your age, it's like, yeah, I know how to use it. That's no problem. So the more we utilize it and use it, the more used to it we get. And we just kind of access it naturally. Um, doesn't mean we'll always access it in the best way, um, but that's the key thing. Now, here's the thing. The Enneagram, like I said, is showing you why you think, feel, and behave in particular ways. So it's getting at the core. And when we're getting at the core, that's very vulnerable. And so what we need people to understand the most is to use this tool as a tool, not as a weapon. We don't wanna use it as a sword or a shield. So we don't wanna belittle others, shame others, mock others, pick on others, whatever you wanna put in that phrase. We don't wanna harm others, nor do we wanna use it against ourselves. But we also don't wanna use it as a shield where it's like, well, I'm a nine folks. So, you know, sometimes I can just kind of numb out and forget the world. You're just gonna to have to deal with it. Like that is not what we're trying to how we're trying to use the Enneagram. The Enneagram is a tool to help us to grow and transform, not to just uh, have excuses. That will not promote good relationships, that will not benefit you in any way, shape, or form. In fact, people will get annoyed with you if you do that. Um, because we, what we want to do is grow in ourselves and in our relationships. And once we do that, things dramatically transform. So there you go. There's a little nutshell of, a, of the Enneagram. So interesting. So how did it come about with these nine personality types? Like what's the science behind it? How was this found? Well, your guess is good as a lot of people. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it is that the history is very um, murky. So there's not like, oh, this is exactly where it started. But people believe it started thousands of years ago and in different forms and different people. And it mainly the symbol of the Enneagram. So the Enneagram itself means, Ennea means nine in Greek and gram means a drawing. So this is a nine pointed geometric figure, a nine pointed star. And that symbol has been used for thousands of years. Now, more recently um, in the fifties and sixties, then it was utilized a little bit more 
in the personality genre. Uh, Claudio Naranjo started learning this from Achazo. And then when he learned it from Achazo, he brought it to America and started teaching people it from a perspective of personality type. So there were nine personality types. That's what Naranjo did. He, he was a psychiatrist and very well-versed in how people operate and function. And so he started to see how these nine personalities on this Enneagram started to function. And he started to teach it to a very small group. And that group then grew and showing other people and so on and so forth, but they tried to keep it somewhat quiet, not because it wasn't powerful, but because it is the, um, it, it, if it's not used correctly, it can bring a lot of destruction and harm. And so we want to make sure that when we use it, we use it correctly. And so they would kind of keep it quiet because the people that were learning it wanted to be able to know how to use it well. And it takes a long time. Whereas now it's kind of become a party game, you know, like, or like a bunch of memes and funny things. And, and some of that's fun and okay, but a lot of times people are missing the point or they feel like they're, um, they're just putting me in a box. You know, they're not understanding that this tool is really to promote growth and transformation, not just something fun or, Hey, look, this is me. That's really not what the tool is about. So it's taken you know, hundreds of years to get it to where it is today. And that's great that people know a lot or know the Enneagram or what it is as a general rule or just the name, but they really need to understand the Enneagram. Just like I said, with a GPS, if my mom hops in a car, who knows what's going to happen with her and that GPS, you know, and it's like that, that can actually create more problems if she doesn't know how to use it well. So we just want people to recognize, I know it can be fun, but really you need to see how serious this tool can be for your betterment, betterment and the betterment of your relationships. And how do you recommend people find their number? Yeah. Well, there's <clears throat> several different ways. Some people like to use Enneagram tests that are online. We have one that is free at your Uh, it's great. People really recommend it. It's free, but we tell people to only use it to guide them. If you use it to name, you're probably going to get it wrong because here's the thing. The Enneagram tests are trying to filter you towards why you do what you do. But if you don't really know why you do what you do, you might not, the, the, the main type might not pop up for you the way it should. So some people are very well versed in themselves. Maybe they, they're older, they're mature, or they've taken a lot of time to understand their inner world. Well, their type might pop up correctly, but we just don't know. So it's just going to guide you to some numbers to look at. So what I would recommend is that people look at the core motivations of all nine types, because it's the core motivations that your personality hinges on. And these core motivations are, there's four of them. You have a core longing. This is the message you, your heart longs to hear and experience. And you will just, you'll do just about anything to get this message. And when you don't, you have a core fear that you're trying to run away from and prevent from happening. You have a core desire. This is like, oh, well, I'll make this all up by just getting these things. If I have these things in place, then I'll feel okay. But ultimately you're really wanting the core longing. And then there's the core weakness and other teachers call this the passion or the deadly sin, but we call it the core weakness because it's really like that Achilles heel, that thorn in your side that keeps tripping you up time and time again. And so once we recognize the core motivations of your type, why you think, feel, and behave in particular ways, that's where your personality is. Now, 
that can get a little confusing because we actually use all nine types to varying degrees, but there's one that reigns supreme and that's the one you're wanting to find. So you might look at, you know, all the core motivations and you might see three of them that you're like, but I use all three of these. Great. Yes, of course you do. But which one really rules the day? And you can kind of pinpoint that when you're thinking more, when you've been activated inside, maybe you're frustrated or someone hurt you or something's going on that's disrupting your internal world. Look at the core motivations and go, okay, what's going on inside? Why am I thinking this way? Or why am I feeling this way? Or why did I react that way? And look at those core motivations. And usually you can spot it a lot easier there than when you're having like your best day. Um, and so that's really where you want to find. Now, the core motivations, you can find a free PDF on our website at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash core motivations. And that can really help you just to see them all right there in one you know front and back sheet. Now, some people, like I said, and I think you were feeling this way, like, I don't know, I can see like two or three of them, you know, so some people get stuck and they can't really decipher which one is their main one. Didn't you say that a nine or a five was the two? The, the five was the other one that related because it was the, the intellectual side of the five that, that hit, but it was like a 50% hit. And then when I got to nine, how I mm -hmm. knew nine was me, is it like, it honestly made me a little emotional reading about yes. the weaknesses. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I do shut down like that. And I do put my yes. walls up and I go numb and I let people walk all over me to keep the peace. And I was like, Ooh, oh, that is me. That is right? totally me. <laughs> yes. So that's where it's really helpful is like, you kind of go through them and nines. Here's the thing. Nines see all the perspectives. And so they can go, I'm all of them. And yeah. that makes sense because it's like, so the Enneagram is also like, we're wearing a particular shade of sunglasses. Us nines are wearing purple. You're wearing orange as a six, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but nines are like literally carrying with them at the ready, all of the nine glasses. And we're kind of putting them over our glasses a lot of time. And so it's like, well, yeah, I could totally see their perspective and I could totally see their perspective. And then it's like, but who am I? Um, so that's very common for a nine. So your kind of journey is very typical, but we have a mistyping guide for those that are stuck, you know, between two types or three types. And this is at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash mistypes. So you could have gotten this free PDF download and gone, okay, well, is it nine or five? That's my main type. Because like I said, you use all nine types to varying degrees. And I would have showed you the biggest differences between those two types. And that would have been like, oh yeah, totally. This one's me. Uh, so that's a really helpful tool as well, but it has to be you really taking, um, an inventory of your internal world, actually knowing and seeing yourself. And for some people, they're like, what are you even talking about? Like, I have never looked inward or I don't even know what's happening or why it's happening. So for some people, it's going to take a lot longer because they just haven't instilled this kind of practice into their life. And that's totally fine. And those that actually struggle to find their type, I would encourage them to keep going because they usually are the ones that of my clients that grow the most because they took the time to dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And all of a sudden when they find their type and they land on it, which could be weeks, months, years, they're like, oh my goodness, this totally makes sense. Everything is coming together. And then all of a sudden they can see this like rapid transformation take place. Whereas sometimes when people find their type right away, it's kind of like they just check it off the box, you know, or check off the box and it's like, okay, cool, move on. Or they look at it and they kind of like, 
oh yeah, that, that describes me. And they feel like they've been satisfied somehow and they're ready to move on. Where that is the opposite of what the Enneagram is meant for. It's meant to use as this ongoing internal GPS system to keep you on your healthiest path. So interesting. I'm curious, can you explain how wings work a little bit? Because I'm still not 100% sure about that. Sure. Yeah. So the Enneagram, when you look at the symbol, because, you know, people are probably driving or who knows, making dinner, listening to this podcast. Um, they're like, what are we even talking about? So that symbol, the nine pointed star, the top of the star, the point is type nine. And then it goes in clockwise manner. So right. So that think of, you know, like 12 is at the top for our clocks. Well, we don't have 10 and 11 and 12 on the symbol. So nine is at the top and right to the right is type one. And then it goes all the way around to type eight and nine. So the wings are the two numbers directly next to the, your main type. So I'm a type nine at the top of this symbol and directly next to me is type one and type eight. And you want to think of wings as kind of like salt and pepper. So you, your type is this perfectly filet mignon. Okay. You're cooking it. It's going to be just perfect as in how you've cooked it. But if you use salt and pepper in the correct way, you actually draw out the most amazing attributes of that steak, right? Or your main type. So if we use our wings, the two numbers on either side of us, their attributes, then, and you don't become these two types, but you draw in some of their attributes. If you use it in a healthy way, so you're healthy, you're using it healthy, you're drawing out the best of who you are. You're not changing, you're not becoming, I don't become an eight, I don't become a one, I'm still a nine, but then I'm starting to use some of these other types attributes to uh, better myself and to better others. Now it doesn't mean if you don't use them, that like it's not good. It just is a really cool thing. Cause nines, for instance, we're kind of like, Oh, I'm going to focus on everyone else and promote everyone else. And I'll just kind of sit in the background. Well, I can use my type eights. The type eights are the protective challengers and they're assertive and they're go-getters and they plow a path for others. And they have this strength and this tenacity to go and this confidence. Well, if as a nine, I know I have a lot to offer the world, but I'm, I just want to kind of fade into the background. That means I'm hoarding my gifts and abilities, and I'm not actually blessing others with it, which is really my heart's desire. I just want to bless people and help people to shine. But if I'm hiding, that's not been a beneficial, but what if I use my eight in a healthy way? And I use some of that strength and that assertive energy. Now I'm still a nine. I'm not going to do it in an eight way but I'm going to bring some of that strength and that tenacity. And I'm going to plow a path in a nine-ish way, in a way that is peaceable and kind, but strong. But I can also use my type one in a, in a really great way. So ones are very, they're the moral perfectionist. They're precise, accurate, responsible. Well, what if I use that in a way that can better those that are around me, those that I see suffering? That can be an amazing tool. But here's the thing. You can use your wings in an unhealthy way. If you're struggling and not doing well, you're going to use your wings in a way that's not healthy. So you can think of it as over seasoning or under seasoning your steak. So do, does my eight come in and wants to be uh, like aggressive, but as a nine, I'm like, oh, I hate conflict. So I'm not going to be aggressive, but I'll be passive aggressive. <laughs> that's not going to be helpful. So you can see that I don't become an eight 
but I use some of those eight attributes in a way that is very nine-ish, a passive aggressive way. Or maybe I use the one who can be very judgmental and critical because they see all the imperfections of the world. Well, maybe I'm not going to be as overt in telling everyone where the errors and mistakes are, but again, maybe I'm passive aggressive in a critical judgmental way to try to manipulate people to see what they need to do. So again, we just want to understand how these two parts of us, these, these wings on either side of your main type are affecting you, whether positively or negatively. And again, it's like that internal GPS. Okay. Am I veering off course? Do I need a rumble strip to wake me up and then to get back on to my best path, which is still using even my wings in a very healthy way as well. Does that help? It tells me that, you know, the, the Enneagram as a circle really is well thought out. And it doesn't surprise me now that it's thousands of years old because they're put in an order and it tells us that we kind of fade like yep. into each other and out of each other personality. Does that make sense? I don't know how to yep. describe it. No, it absolutely is true. And actually my logo, um, removed the circle from it because most of my audience is a Christian based audience. And usually when people look at the, um, the real Enneagram symbol, they're like, is this a pentagram? Yeah. No, it's not a pentagram. Um, but yes, the circle shows how we are all connected and actually the healthier we become, the more we actually access the healthier attributes of any of the nine parts. It doesn't mean that again, we don't become them, but we're, we're letting go of our personality as defense mechanisms. It's like, we're shedding it and we're taking on a lot of different healthy ways of seeing and operating in the world. And so that's, what's so exciting about the Enneagram. You're, we're not wanting to put you in a box you're already in a box that we're trying to get you out of, to free you from, to actually be your healthiest self, which is being able to access any of the elements of the nine types. So think of like that salt and pepper, you know, if you're sitting at a counter and you're cooking, wouldn't it be awesome to have all these different aspects and attributes at the ready that are healthy versus having to go way far away to a, a pantry that's far away or go into the refrigerator the more you access the Enneagram and use it in a healthy way, the more those attributes are at the ready because you're aware, you see what's going on, you own up to your mistakes, you apologize, you reconcile, you restore. And people are like, what? Just like, you just apologize. Oh, you reconcile like that. Okay, well, I guess we're good. Like, yeah, let's move on. You know, like people are not familiar, unfortunately, in the world when people can easily own their own stuff, recognize it, apologize, and then try to reconcile and restore that relationship. I mean, and that's what we're really talking about. And it's with ourselves too, our, our personal self. You know, when we put ourselves down, we shame ourselves. Well, wouldn't it be great if we saw that unhealthy pattern and actually reconcile that within ourselves? I think that is first and foremost, the most powerful thing. It's not saying, oh, you're good. Just keep going. It's like owning what's really going on, but bringing truth back into our life so that we can then be a healthier person, a healthier version of ourselves so that we can also do this with others in our relationships. What I, what I also want to mention, like listening to you, you speak right there and everything one of the things that I kind of thought about is how sometimes we like to think that we're all the same, like how I think hmm. is how Brittany thinks and how you think and how my husband thinks and everybody thinks right. the same around me. But in actuality, we are, yes, we're all one and connected, but we are all very, very different in the way that yep. we think and communicate and everything. 
So it's interesting to kind of learn more about your personality because it makes you realize that you do think differently, right? And some of the things that you think about, you're like, it just kind of brings more, I don't know, like emphasis or thought on maybe your good or your bad traits, you know? Like when I was reading about my nine, I was really reading about how, you know, I'm a peacekeeper and I let, I'll let anybody like walk all over me to keep the peace, you know? And then sure. they all explode on them, you know, cause I'm tired <laughs> exactly. of keeping the peace, you know what I mean? And, yes. and I am very prone to numbing myself out to, to extreme feelings, you know? And mm-hmm. I had my theories about why that is, you know, from my past and, you know, things that I've gone through and stuff, but it also made me think maybe that's just my personality type that I can just naturally numb myself to extreme feelings and emotions and everything. And not always a good thing. My husband's like, come on, hello. I want to talk this out. And I'm like, this is too much. This yep. is too much emotion. That's why yes. we're good together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah we're very non-confrontational together. Right, right. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And we could actually call that um, a suicide where we assume other people's thoughts, feelings, and motives and believe it's true. Like, oh, I know why they're thinking that. Or um, because we see the world through our lens. So again, as a type nine, I see the world through this purple lens. And it, it, the colors are just our logos colors. It doesn't really mean it, but I'm just giving an example of, we see the world through this purpose, purple lens. And we think everyone else sees through this purple lens and they don't, you know, so your husband might be seen through the red lens or whatever. And then we get upset with them or hurt because they didn't do it the way we would have done it. Um, they didn't show us the love in the way we would give love. Um, and so we assume incorrectly their thoughts, feelings, and motives. And that really can destroy relationships if we don't um, take time to understand it and ask curious questions, ask clarifying questions, and also give clarifying statements. So I'm a nine as well. And my husband is a six, but he's the type of six that um, looks a little eight-ish. And so he's okay with like getting in there and like, let's talk this out because for him, that brings security. Like if we're kind of off, he wants that security. He wants to talk it out. Let's be real. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, too much. Um, so then I might shut down. Well, he then can assume or commit a suicide incorrectly that I am withdrawing and abandoning the relationship. Now that sounds to others really extreme. Like what? Like you're just uncomfortable. I'm like, yeah, I'm uncomfortable with the, with the intensity or the tension or the potential conflict that's happening. But for him, he sees it through the lens of a six, the loyal guardian who fears not having security guidance and support, who fears being blamed, targeted and abandoned. So when I numb out, check out or leave the situation, physically leave, it only communicates to him that I'm abandoning him. And that's going to put off all of these alarms and he's going to have defensive mechanisms that come up, but that brings more intensity and more conflict, which is exactly the opposite of what I want. And so you can see how we call it the dance, how this dance can then go around and around because certain uh, thoughts, feelings, and behaviors land on the other person in their core motivations. And so they interpret the situation through their core motivations, not the lens of the person who gave it. And so we miss each other all the time. So for your husband, you know, or like for my husband, when he, when I start to shut down, he instantly, what rises up into him is she's ready to leave. She's ready to divorce me. And like, like the nine or the six worst case thinking will go there in a heartbeat. 
And finally, I think it was like year 10 of our marriage when we had one of our typical fights and I went up to the bedroom and I'm crying um, and he's pursuing, you know, he's thinking he's loving me by pursuing me with intensity. I mean, in fact, he'll say, yeah, it's almost like I'll yell, I love you. And I'm like, that doesn't really land on a nine the way that you th you're hoping. <laughs> But here he's, he's wanting to reconcile. He's wanting security in our relationship. And I'm feeling the complete opposite. So finally, he just was very vulnerable one day. And he said, are you going to leave me? And I was just like, <laughs> I, I actually said, no dummy. I'm never going to leave you like that. What are you like? It was almost, you know, again, it was the suicide. Like, what are you even talking about? You're on some other planet. Like we don't see what's happening the same way, but I normally don't speak that way. So it really kind of jolted him and woke him up to the fact, oh, I am seeing these circumstances and these quote unquote fights or spinning out in a totally different way than she is. And I'm bringing something to it that is not helpful and true. So, but I then learned, oh, when I numb out, check out, or physically leave, I am communicating a very strong message to him that I am not intending whatsoever. So now when, because I'm naturally going to feel overwhelmed, that's how a nine operates when there's too much energy. It could be even too much joy. It could be like overwhelming, though that's a positive. We'd rather be there. Or nine's empathic. Yes. Very impact. We feel all the energy that's <laughs> happening around us. Yes. Everything. And it's very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. It will physically just shut down our bodies like no more. So it's not that we're, sometimes we are trying to shut down, <laughs> but a lot of times it's happening to us. Our body is like, I can't. So when I start to recognize a situation between my husband and I are starting to get to that level. And I feel this intense intensity inside and I might start feeling shut down. I can say to him, Hey, I'm for us. And I want to work this out, but I'm starting to shut down or I'm getting overwhelmed. Can you give me 10, 15, 20 minutes to go process my thoughts and feelings, get things calmed down so that I can come back and show you that I'm for us. And we can actually talk this out. That communicates a completely different thing to him. And it lands on his type six heart in a way that I actually am thinking and feeling. And now I know the words and the, and the way to speak to him. Like, wouldn't that speak as a six? Wouldn't that speak a lot to you? Yes. I feel like knowing the Enneagram and knowing your numbers is a great tool to have, especially in relationships. Is mm -hmm. that something I know you're, so you're a coach. Do people come to you? Do couples come to you? Yep. Well, we actually have a website called becomingus.com. And because our first book, which you can kind of see behind us right there, uh -huh. uh, it's becoming us. And it's how to use the Enneagram through a gospel centered perspective for your marriage. So again, our platform is from a very Christian perspective, but becoming us is how do we use the Enneagram as a tool to help bring clarity, understanding, empathy, grace, compassion, reconciliation, and restoration in our, any relationship. I mean, this book is particularly about marriage, but anyone can use it and just kind of put the lens of relationship on coworkers, friends, community, and, uh, your, your community, your neighborhood. Um, but yes, so they come to us and actually at becoming us.com, we have a free assessment that if you take it, you'll see. So like the two of you, <laughs> I know that you read one about how your relationship is probably a short paragraph. This is like three or four pages long of how the two of you um, are different and at sometimes similar, but it's showing you what you're like when you're doing well and when you're struggling, because a lot of times the Enneagram can focus so much on the negative or 
the problems or the weaknesses. And we want people to see a clear path to wholeness, to what is healthy. And so our book and our resources really point to that. And so here's the thing what's really fun. So one of my favorite things to do is to coach couples or marriages or relationships and how they operate together, which is the dance we talked about. And the dance is in our marriage course. So we have 45 courses, one for each couple type combination. And I'm very specific to their dance and what gets them spun out and what also brings restoration. Um, and there's a 64 page workbook for each of them that lays it all out. So it's really an, ex yeah, it's a very exciting tool. It's not, you know, there's eight modules. They're both, all of them are not super long, but it gives you this framework, this understanding of why the two of you do what you do, why you get spun out, but how to get back together. So that's a really exciting tool. I think this is really cool because, you know, we talk about going to therapy a lot and honestly, just some people don't want to do that. They don't want sure. to, it's not for everybody. Right. And yes. I feel like this might be another way oh, yeah. that you can try to connect more with your spouse. You know, like when you yes. were talking about the troubles that you and your husband have, I swear you were talking about me and my husband. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I know that he's a different, I think my husband's a four, we just had him take the test and we're trying to figure it out. But yeah. I feel like I don't know well, now because how you were talking, I was like, oh my God, that is how me and Jake fight. Well, <laughs> like he was like, I love you. Don't go anywhere. And I'm like, right. it's so overwhelming. I cannot even think yes. straight. It's like the misfiring up here. That's how Logan is. Yes. I'm, I'm a total misfire when I'm like in an, in an argument. Like I cannot oh, think yeah. straight. I need that 20 minutes to like think straight. Yes. Yeah. Cause all of a sudden, because we're, we're not only trying to um, assess what we're thinking as nines, we intuitively bring in either the thoughts of others or what we think their thoughts might be because we're just wanting to find the peace and the harmony. Yes. So we're trying to in art, cause we get stressed in that moment and we actually move there's lines. You remember like a star has lines connecting each of the points. Well, the nine is connected to the six and the three. And when the nine gets stressed, we move and take on some of the healthy or the um, average to unhealthy attributes of six. Now, again, we don't become a six, but all of a sudden this nine, Hey, everything's fine. Kind of mine. It's all good. All of a sudden our mind starts racing. We think of all the possibilities and we're trying to, <laughs> and we're trying to think of, Oh my gosh, there's conflict and tension. What can I do? You know? So we're thinking of all uh, negative outcomes, worst case scenarios, and trying to fix it in the moment. But then we can get scattered because the nine mind can go in all different directions in this, at this point. Um, and we then shut down. That's what the dying does. Now the six will do it, but they're going to do it in a very six like way. Um, and so that starts to happen. But if he has a four, fours and sixes, both are very emotional people, even though the six is more in the head center, they're, they're usually thinking from their head first, but they're very emotional. And the fours are in the uh, heart center, the more emotional center, but it doesn't mean they don't use their, their mind. Mm -hmm. So both of them can come to their relationships with lots of affection and lots of care. Um, but they're going to do it for their different core motivation reasons. So again, it goes all the way back to the core motivations. That's why that free PDF is going to be so important because when we teach people the dance, so the, it's an infinity loop and there's, you know, your type on one side and the other on the other. And as you interact with each other, it all is being activated by those core motivations. When you understand the core motivations and why you get spun out or why you're doing really well, it's all going to come back to that understanding. So 
that's why I really encourage people to start there, to really look inward. Why did I get activated? What's going on? Um, that's what's key. And then once you know, you bring clarity to others. Hey, this is what's I think getting, you know, because a lot of times we'll say, oh, I'm upset because, you know, as a type one might say, I'm upset because you left all the dishes out and you didn't put them in. Well, what you're saying is, I'm telling you what's on top of the iceberg, you know, what we can see, but there's a reason beneath the water that's much bigger. And that's the core motivations. So the type one, who's a moral perfectionist is saying, I feel outwardly the top of the iceberg. I feel like I'm the responsible one. No one else cares, but me of getting things right. And I have to do it all on my own. But really their fear is that they are going to be bad, evil, corruptible, and wrong. And they desire to have balance, integrity, and to do what's right. But they have this core weakness of resentment that they alone have to be this adult figure that sees all the imperfections and takes care of everything, which brings up a sense of resentment. But to them, that feels bad. So they try to shove it down and do what's right, but it keeps bubbling out as criticism and being nitpicky. Well, that's what's going on under the, the, the hood, under the ice, uh, the water of the iceberg. And so if we can get to that, they can explain why the dirty dishes matter, what's going on and how they can ask for help in a healthier way so that the other person understands what the real needs are versus just being criticized or judged or reprimanded. Oh my God, I'm going to like make Jake and I take this course together. <laughs> <laughs> I am curious. Well, and we have, and I'll just let your, um, your audience know that we have a coupon code for 50% off. Oh. And yeah, so it is one word becoming us 150. I am I curious. Are there, are there, are there certain numbers that don't go together or that perfectly do go together? Do you see that when you're, you know, we see, and here's the fun thing. When I developed the 45 courses and I went through, you know, meticulously how each type is interacting and struggling, it was so amazing just to kind of see the types unfold because people ask that question all the time, especially when they're looking for a spouse, like, Oh, I don't want to get it wrong. Well, here's the good news is that any two types together can be an amazing couple if they're healthy, if they're doing their own work and then coming alongside the work of the other person. So again, this could be friendships. This could be coworkers. This could be a boss and an employee or a marriage. Anytime one person in a relationship dynamic is not doing their work and they are average to unhealthy, it, it's just not going to benefit the relationship as a whole. Now, if both of them are average or both of them are unhealthy, it's destructive. And so and it's true. It could be any type. It could be two nines together. It could be a three and a four. It could be a seven and an eight, whatever the two types are. It really doesn't matter. Now, each of the types or each uh, combination brings its own strengths and assets, but it also has its own liabilities that you could become very aware of. That's what these courses are showing you. But again, if you do your own work, and you focus on your own growth and you ho hopefully can partner with someone that's doing theirs. Oh man, the sky is the limit. I, you know, a lot of people will say, well, like what about two eights, you know, cause two eights are very powerful people and they say it like it is. I have seen two eights as a marriage and it is glorious when they do their work and they come alongside and they plow a path for one another and their relationship, but it can be absolutely destructive if they're not. And that's the same with two nines, two nines, you know, they could look on the outside as this really kind couple, 
but are they showing up for each other at all? Or are they just being passive? Are they stoic? Are they actually catatonic in their relationship where there's really no relationship because they're not addressing anything in order to quote unquote, keep the peace. So it may look healthier from the outside, like, oh, they don't fight, you know, whereas the two eights, they might not be fighting, but to everyone else, it might feel very intense, but they actually might be at a very healthier level because they're addressing things or dealing with things. Whereas the two type nines might look healthier, but in actuality, it may not be unless they're engaging with life together. So does that make sense? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, totally. It's so interesting. I mean, it just is a, it just points to the fact that like, we all just need to be working on ourselves, you know? Exactly. And like, if it, when you are looking for somebody to partner with, maybe that's what you look for is somebody that is looking for growth, who isn't yes. who's allowed to humble themselves and, and want to be better. Absolutely. If you if you are in a relationship with someone that can't see and own their own weaknesses, even if it's just a little bit and, and even it, it, for all of us, it's hard. It, for all of us, there's this vulnerability. And obviously we have to approach this person, whoever it is, friend, sister, brother, boss, uh, spouse with gentleness, when we point things out, um, from their perspective, but if they're unwilling in that healthy environment to own their own stuff, yeah, you're, you're going to want to recognize that and find someone to be in relation, especially if it's like a romantic relationship, be in a romantic relationship with someone who understands they're going to have liabilities and shortcomings and own it, Apolo be willing to apologize for it and be willing to grow on themselves, knowing that they're going to keep tripping up time and time again. So that's what, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I've got to work on myself. And then they shame themselves for doing the same thing over and over again. The Enneagram is showing you, you're going to we keep falling into pitfalls, but we're hoping it's less and less and it's less severe. And we're hoping that we can keep you on your healthiest path longer and, um, and more so that you're experiencing it more, but we just have to recognize as a people that, you know, we're faulty, you know, we have our own issues and troubles. And if we can be gracious and kind in our own growth, it will take us so much further. Once we start bringing shame and self-condemnation into ourselves, it only spirals us out of control. So we have to, and it's not saying, oh, I'm fine. I'm good. It's that we're not, we want you to own it, own it for what it is but also know there is a healthier way of dealing with it. There's a healthier way to be who you were created to really be. I, I am curious. We didn't ask you this at the beginning. Usually we ask, how did you get into this? Oh yeah. Um, so I, you know, just like everyone else, when they're about 25, 26 years old, though, I already had two kids <laughs> at that stage. Um, and my husband was uh, in seminary. And so we were, you know, as poor as poor could be and trying to, pull all these pieces of life together in a constrained amount of income and him working and studying all the time, two little kids. I just felt like I was constantly falling into my common pitfalls and it felt like quicksand. And I just was at my end all the time. Like, I don't understand. I'm wanting to be better. I'm wanting to understand myself. And then as a nine, nines don't know themselves very well. It's like, there's this internal fog and he's trying to understand me. I'm trying to understand him. I can't explain it. And so it was just a really frustrating season for me. And, you know, I think for us, and that's when our friends introduced us to the Enneagram and he skimmed it and he thought it was pretty interesting. And I devoured it. Nines, nines devour the Enneagram. I mean, all 
all types can love the Enneagram, but because of that internal fog, it's like someone's finally wiping the fog off the windshield so that at least we can see a little bit better. There's still some haze going on. And sometimes there's a thick fog. Um, we really don't know, or we're struggling, but all of a sudden it becomes like a haze. Like I, I can see a little bit better. I can actually move forward. I can explain what, what's going on. And that's what happened for us. So I can, ex could explain to Jeff more clearly what was happening in my interior world so that we could better communicate and function better. Um, and so that's really kind of how it all began. That was in 2001. And I just, as a, as a typical nine, kind of studied it and used it quietly for years. I even would make my husband do some of the presentations early on because I'm like, oh, no one wants to listen to me. They just want to listen to you. You're the pastor. And then I finally just felt this intense calling um, in 2015, late 2015 to show up and to stop hoarding my gifts and stop promoting everyone else in life and to show up in the world, not in an arrogant way, but in a way that says, I do have something to say of value that blesses other people. And that's the work of the nine to engage with life, to bless others with action, not just accommodation. And so that's when we started your Enneagram coach and it's just kind of taken its own life ever since. That's awesome. God, it like almost makes me emotional here. I know, about I can nine. tell you you're getting emotional. You really do because it's like you are a nine and so you know it really well and you like keep talking about it and it, it like it literally makes me emotional because it's just, it hits home. It really hits home. Yeah. Like how we say like we don't know ourselves and there's this haze. I try to explain that to my husband and he does not get it. I'm, I'm like, yeah. I know, I know because honestly it's like what we fight about is like I shut down. I shut yeah. down and I tell him like I literally cannot think you do not yes. understand. Like I cannot think right now. I need some time. And he's like, I don't he get that. Get he does not get he why I need yes. to just, and if I think for like 20 minutes, I calm down and I can come back so calm and logical. Mm -hmm. And I understand why I feel the way that I feel, but that 20 minutes hurts him. It hurts him. Yes, absolutely. And here's the thing. We don't, I don't, we don't know his type, but we're just going to take a guess if he's you know, a four or six, but if he's a four, I think he's a four, fours understand their internal world. They dive, they swim in it. They know it like as what that is where they are all the time. And so it doesn't make sense to him. And that's okay. Like in a sense, like it's okay that he doesn't naturally get how a nine has this internal fog. So that's why these analogies can be super helpful because then it's like, Oh, you have a fog. You know, if I were to walk from here to, you know, Walgreens, which is not too far from here, but there's a thick fog, it's going to take me a lot longer to get there than if there was no fog at all, because where am I, you know, I don't want to like, you know, get on the road and, you know, like, which turn do I have to do? And so you take your time so that things get a little clearer as you go. And so nines are just trying to figure out their way, but the more the fog lifts, the more you get clarity, the more you get understanding. And especially when the nine hears from others or experiences your presence matters, your voice matters. It's like, really? And then we feel this, um, this, I guess, permission to be who we are, this permission to, to show up and to, and to find ourselves. And that's really where I, um, where this all came about because I was hiding I, or I was in a thick fog and I didn't know how to clear the fog completely. And I was overlooked by someone who could really have launched my business. They knew how much I was in the Enneagram and they had kind of a platform to do it. And they, 
they didn't. And they actually were like, Hey, look, my friends, you know, into the Enneagram and here's the book. And it's so exciting. And I, this is on Instagram and I was just crushed. Cause I was like, why don't you come to me? I have all the answers. And this was in 2015. And I, and I literally, so we're in the gut center us nines, which is where we feel anger though. Nines suppress it. Um, but when I saw that post and I felt very overlooked, I like instantly stood up all of this internal anger and rage of feeling like, why don't you see me? And I was like, I'm about ready to explode like a volcano and nines hate that. And, and we're like, we don't want anyone else around. I, so I just got up, walked straight out of the house, past my husband in the kitchen who was looking, he could feel the energy just tumbling out of me. <laughs> it was like, what is going on? And I'm like, just look at that post. And I grabbed my keys, got in the car and I started driving and screaming at the top of my lungs. And I knew, cause I've done so many years of study. I was like, I've got to let this anger out. Nines don't feel comfortable with it, but it has to come out. So I just screamed for like 10 minutes as I'm driving. And then as I turned around and was heading back home, I really felt God say, why are you so angry? And I seriously, I was, I used a lot of my eight in this incident. I was very sassy. I'm like, are you serious? Like, did you not see this post? Do you not like, what, why are you asking me this question? And I just felt this calmness, this peacefulness for him. And I just felt like him saying again, no, really, why are you so angry? And it was clear as day. I am angry because I overlook myself. And I learned right then that what I permit, I promote to others and I permit over people overlooking me. I permit people not hearing my voice because I do that to myself. And that was the moment I had to decide, am I going to show up for myself and others, or am I going to keep hiding behind accommodating? And that was when everything changed. And so for you with your husband, what it, the biggest thing for any of our relationships is seeing what's happening within ourselves and why, so that we can clearly communicate it in ways that the other type can hear and understand because we're usually communicating in our, our language. For instance, I am not a gifts person. So like, you know, the five love languages gifts is like my last one. So, Same. Same. <laughs> okay. so if my husband were to come home early, you know, on in our uh, relationship with a lot of flowers, honestly, my thought is, okay, you just spent like $25 yep. <laughs> and they're going to die like in five seconds, you know, yep. Now for another person, that would mean the world to them. But for me, it just doesn't do anything. Now he actually loves flowers. <laughs> and so he's, he is communicating to me in a very specific way, but it didn't land on me well and vice versa. You know, I can do like, I'll give him all this affirmation and encouragement, but that is not what he needs as a love language. And so it, it just doesn't hit him where he needs to be loved. So this is the same thing with the Enneagram. When I can speak to my husband in the language he understands from the core motivations of his type, he will understand where I'm coming from. So again, remember what you're talking about that, the typical fights when I either check out or actually physically go away, which lands on him as a message of I'm abandoning you, which is his greatest fear. Well, that is not what I'm trying to communicate. So how can I communicate in his language, what his heart can understand that I am for you. I'm for us, but I just can't right now. And that would be the same for you. If your husband is a four, mm -hmm. so they feel misunderstood. They feel defective and flawed, and they feel that there's something tragically missing inside them. 
That's both so of our husbands. Both of our husbands. Okay. <laughs> and they're friends. <laughs> and for them, they have they're in the emotional triad and they actually experience all their emotions like a tsunami. So here he has a tsunami of emotions. Some of it is, I love you. I want to connect with you. Um, you know, I want you to understand me. I want you to understand my heart. I want, I want to understand you at the depths that I understand myself. And you're like, I can't because they're like, (laughs) there's this thick fog, but the way that you can communicate to a four in a different way would be like, I so value how well you can see your inner world. And I hope that you can kind of guide me in that path, but also knowing that I'm in the fog, that you guide me gently, that you guide me, um, not like, you know, we're not like going 50 miles an hour down this path when I can't see and I'm scared and it's too much. So if he can understand this language of, Hey, I'm, I'm going to guide you into your inner world, but I know that it has to be at a very specific pace, which is hard for me, but it's also good for us. That would mean the world to you. But if you were to say, Hey, I want to understand my inner world more and more, but I need some patience and time and help because I love you. And I know you want to know my inner world. I need to know my inner world. And I'm so glad that you, this is, this is easy for you. And it's easy for you to guide me. If you'll give me some patience and time, that's where the magic comes from. That clarity, that's that language that I'm for you. I'm for the other person, but I'm also for myself. You know, I'm not negating what my needs are. Does this help? Yeah, I am. I'm curious. So I think six is loyalist, right? Uh-huh. Uh, nine mm-hmm. is peacemaker. Uh-huh. What is the four? They're the individualist or the romantic individualist. So they fear being with, uh, um, cut off from their emotions, like someone cutting them off. They're afraid of being plain, ordinary, mundane, uh, defective, flawed, and, um, not being their most authentic self. So for them, it's very important that people can see their authentic self, their feelings, their emotions, their creativity, what they bring to the world. Cause they, they see what's missing and they have this ideal of what could be or should be. And they want to bring that about. And it sounds perfectionistic. They're the ones they're called the moral, uh, perfectionist. This is a different perfection. This is an idealized world, uh, idealized relationship, um, of what could be. And, and that's wonderful on one side, but then if it can't happen, it could be hold you to high you know, standards. <clears throat> exactly. High standards. In and, relationship. Yeah. And so there's the positive and the negative and it's for everything of every situation in our relationships. And that's why it's so important to understand what's happening in each of us and at what level of health is it, is it operating and to be gentle and kind with ourselves and with one another, whatever level we're at, because if we, uh, shame ourselves, if we bring in self-condemnation that only makes it worse. Now, if we bring in compassion, and understanding and a desire to be curious and to come alongside ourselves and others, then we feel more open. We feel like we can be you know, more vulnerable and we can mend things together. And ultimately that's what we all want. We want all of our relationships to thrive. We just all see it from our personality's perspective. So if we know, okay, here's how I see a relationship thriving and how I desire it. Oh, and this is how you, well, what does it look like when the two of 
these two types come together and thrive, but also what does it look like when we're struggling and where does that derail? And that's the key to using the Enneagram, using this internal GPS to navigate ourselves and our relationship into a better trajectory. That's such good stuff. I know. I, so where can our people find you? What is your yeah. website, your Instagram? I know you said it, some of it already, but just so yeah, that yeah. it'll It'll be in the show notes because I'm sure, you know, we kind of said a bunch of different things. Um, so first and foremost, your is our main hub. That's where most things are. And that's where you can get the free test. Um, we have also places where you can get free resources, blog, um, and then coaching. So we do have online courses. They're kind of like a DIY version of do-it-yourself coaching where I'm video recorded and coaching you through your type so that you can understand what's going on in a path of growth. Um, but then we also have the becoming us platform, which is for marriage or relationships and that's becoming us.com. And again, you can take another assessment there, but it's for the couple type combination. And then we also have all 45 courses there. Now, if you want to start out with just the book, then the Becoming Us book is a great place to kind of learn about relationships. And then on the back end of the book is how to understand yourself and your spouse of any given type. So there's kind of like this roadmap and bullet points to understand communication, conflict, how to affirm each other um, in very quick bite-sized uh, tidbits so that you can just go, oh, this is what's going on. It's a very fun, interactive tool in the back. So those are just, oh, and then Instagram is your Enneagram coach where, um, we just have lots of great free resources. We have a series that uh, starts every two weeks and we kind of walk you through. And again, it's not this uh, party game for us. This is about real transformation so that you can experience the fullness of life, whether individually or with others. And that's really what we're aiming for. Yeah. Love it. I know. I loved it. Loved it even more than I thought it would. I know. Ah, <laughs> I got you in. I'm a crier but, and, for this, but you know, I, didn't I know. Like to cry today. Well, I know. Cause nines we're, we're, we're like, we want to keep everything kind of even keel and we don't want high, high, too high highs though. We'll take the highs more than the lows. Um, we want everything even keel. And so to cry is, is good, but man, we try not to go there because it feels so much. So overwhelming. Yeah, like but once we do, <laughs> I love yes. that you were a nine too and your husband's a six, like how funny. Yeah. Yeah. And it works really great when we're doing our work. <laughs> um, we do good together. We really do. Yeah. We've been friends for 15 years, not one fight, but that, and, and honestly not really ever be angry at each other. Never. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great combination. Um, yeah. And so then what happens usually is people will start using the Enneagram and they find this great transformational process within themselves and then they want to become a coach. And so we certify people who oh, want to become cool. Coaches. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, we have over a thousand uh, coaches in 20 plus countries. So it's a really wow. amazing way to take what has happened within yourself and then do it with others. And we have a plat, a path and a plan and methods for our coaches. So it's easy to get going. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you so mm -hmm. much, Beth. We really enjoyed yeah. you. Thank you for having me guys. It's so fun. We absolutely love Beth. We are so thankful she was able to take some time away from her day and talk to us. We could have talked four hours, like we always say. So maybe we'll have to have her on again one day because I'm sure you guys will have some questions. But you can always check out her courses and her website. And you can also find her on Instagram, which is 
at your Enneagram coach. So lots of resources there. Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to join us over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash momworthy. That's where you're going to get a lot of the juicy episodes. And of course, we'll be here every Monday with your regular podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.